Welcome to the Just Off Glen podcast with your host, Christy Alexander, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and change makers. Just Off Glen. Hi, listeners. Thanks for joining me for a new podcast episode. Those of you who listened regularly know I had to step away for from the recording of the podcast for a few months. This past summer, my business, Work Smart Coworking and Meeting Space, relocated to 237 Glen Street in downtown Glens Falls. As many of you know, that's the historic bank building right next to the library. So I took some time off to finish up the building renovations and also so that Work Smart members and myself could get settled into our new space. So it's been an exciting few months around here and I'm ready to get back in front of our microphone. So thanks for joining me and for your patience. And I'm so glad you're meeting me back here again, just off Glen. My guest for today's episode is Kim Feeney London. Hi, Kim. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. And I just want to tell your listeners the space looks beautiful. I haven't been in yet, but it's really, you did such a nice job. Thanks. I'm so glad that you were able to pop in today and see the space. Um, So Kim and I first met at SUNY Adirondack, where you are the instructor for the Micro Enterprise Assistance Planning Program, which is now known as Startup ADK. That's right. Yes. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. But before you do that, I do have a question for you. And that is, if you were a tossed salad, what ingredients would you include? Well, if I was a tossed salad, what would I include? You know, I've been on a big crouton kick these days. Um, So crunchy and not salad-like at all. Uh, But as we, you know, always try, we don't eat our bread or things like that. We're thrifty. We make it into croutons, add that little extra special bite uh, to the salad, maybe toss it with salt and pepper, roast them, um... And gets my kids excited about eating salad with the croutons. So. Oh, mm-hmm. good point. Good point. Yes. You throw bread in there. You throw the, bread the in there. Stale <laughs> loaf of baguette. Stale loaf. You know, toast it up and uh, throw it in. But that does make a difference. Yes. And, and you surprised me. I <laughs> thought you'd come up with some exotic vegetable <laughs> given you know, your background. I, there's a lot, and we do we eat salad regularly. But that's what we've been doing lately, and it's been. Uh, it's been good. The whole family enjoys a nice crispy crouton in our salad. So Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So. so tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I've been teaching, like you mentioned, at SUNY Adirondack for the last couple of years. I'm an assistant professor in the business division, and I teach mainly economics and a little bit of marketing, as well as I head up the agricultural business degree program. And that's a relatively new program at the college. It's just been a couple of years. Uh, but we've seen a lot of growth in students coming in, a lot of interest in our program. We have a transfer agreement with SUNY Cobalt Skill, so it's really kind of taking off, especially with the um, campus farm. And we're doing a lot of uh, sales to season the culinary school, to Chartwell, to the dining hall, and then to the nice. public. So it's been really a nice program. So my background, I'll come back to that. But I also teach the Startup ADK program, which you mentioned which is a collaboration between SUNY Adirondack, Warren County, LDC, and Mm -hmm. Washington County, LDC. And so that program is really to help small business, you know, entrepreneurs or people that are thinking they might have an idea for a startup, 
They're not quite sure where to start, where to begin, where to look for a business planning. We kind of give them some basic tools and resources where they can say, hey, I need more information, find that information, get a team together. Maybe it's legal, insurance, marketing help, and then decide whether they go forward with the business, uh, can apply for a loan through those agencies, or, you know, we count it as a win that people decide, hey, I'm not ready. I don't right. want to quit my day job. Right. Um, so I really enjoy working with the entrepreneurs um, that come through those programs or people that have a side hustle or they're not sure. They want to buy a business from maybe their boss or a family member and just all kinds of avenues. It's really exciting because I know for many, this is kind of their first their first um, introduction to, uh, I shouldn't say introduction, but kind of their first, I'm going to throw this out there. And um, it's, it's, it's going past admitting to themselves that they've got this idea and they want to see if it works, but they're admitting to, to you and to a whole classroom full of students that they've got this idea and, you know, they're, they want to uh, explore this a little bit further. Right. It, I mean, it does. It takes some courage to say, hey, this is an idea, and maybe my mom thinks it's a great idea, but you know, maybe <laughs> it's not the uh, you know the best idea, or I'm not sure. And um, you know, throughout the class, they have to keep saying it over and over, and get comfortable saying it. Oh, my name is Kim, and I'm going to start this X, Y, and Z business. To the class, to our guest speakers, to people who've started successful businesses, and they have to keep you know, saying it and reinforcing the idea that they could be in this class and they might have a good idea. And, uh-huh. and you know, I think the first step is showing up to this class, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, to say, hey, I'm, you know, making this announcement uh, to someone outside of my notebook or my emails or whatever idea where people jot down their ideas and they're making that announcement. But they, you know, the business plan doesn't write themselves just coming uh, to my class once a week doesn't, you know, do it either, but it right. just gives people a foundation right. to say, okay, well, what do I need to know? What do I need to put down? Um, and, you know, part of the best parts of the class is just the networking to right. who can help you figure out what part, uh, where, you know, you might find some support or a complimentary business or a partnership or things like that. So we had a really, uh, interesting class this week and a lot or this last semester and so a lot of really good business ideas you came and uh, talked about your business which was really great thank you that was fun Mm -hmm. that was uh that was an honor to be a part of that the uh, the panel and just to hear everyone else's ideas what they're up to what they're thinking um just I just get so excited about it I do wonder though as the instructor in the class how do you um bring these individuals to the point where they kind of hear themselves saying what they're saying and come to terms with the fact that this this is a good idea and I want to explore it further or um, this isn't going to work. And I shouldn't say good idea. This It's not really good idea, bad idea, but, you know, viability really. And like you said, maybe not now, maybe something for the future. But how do you as the instructor kind of you know, bring them to that point where they make that decision to continue to, to pursue this opportunity and this idea or say, this just isn't for now? Yeah, good question. I mean, we have throughout the semester we have, or the course, we have a lot of different um, presenters that talk about different aspects of your business plan. 
uh, whether it's marketing or operations or financials. And I think reinforcing over and over, right, Joyce Miller from the library is always like, well, I read this book and it said, do you want to be an entrepreneur? And she was like, definitely not. I don't want to clean the toilet if it breaks. I don't want to <laughs> deal with customers, right? Some people have to realize, well, maybe all the things that they thought are exciting and interesting, they don't really want to do and they'd rather stay um, in their own job, right? I think it's also like a philosophical choice for people, right? Is this something that they want to be involved in all aspects? And you can outsource um, right. option, you know, different sure. parts of it. But, you you know, you have to realize that responsibility relies with you. And I think um, when you hear that over and over throughout the course, you start to make assumptions like, can I do this? Can I not do this? Is this what I want right now? Can I support my family? Um or myself, right, with this type of risk? Am I comfortable with this risk? Um, is it a right time? And to your point, you know, it's not necessarily a good idea or bad idea, but it's more on the execution, good ex execution or, you know, maybe needs time. And so when we get to really the financial part of it, when we work with SCORE and we look at some of the financial piece, mm -hmm. I think um, it becomes clear to people whether they are able to accurately um, and this is also my background. I'm a big finance person. I like spreadsheets. So I really, re you know, I really can get behind if they work or not. But just to emphasize, hey, well, your revenue is showing, like, even if you sell 100 hours of consulting and you charge this or whatever does that mean and your expenses and looking at your sales and your expenses is this room can you um survive on this would you quit your job is it a side hustle is it the right time to make that risk do you need the money um a larger capital expenditure uh you know things like that that people really start seeing it on paper and then they say right. well maybe it's not quite right. right for me or i didn't estimate that you know i thought 100 customers a month would be you know way too many but it's not really making the numbers work so i think that's where they kind of decide um, or they can see it more clearly. Yeah, that that's definitely helpful. Those financials <laughs> really make it. You know, and they're not necessarily true, so they're just a good guess. Yeah, but they yep. make it a little bit clearer where you can start thinking. Okay, well, what does it actually cost to do this? What is it? Right. You know, what are these things that I need to consider? And so I think um, that's where a light bulb goes up um, on some people, but they might be perfectly happy trying the business with as a side thing or right, right. just dipping their toe in and seeing if there's traction. Um, and that's what I tell some people too. I say, just get it out there, get a website, get your shingle, the, you know, proverbial shingle right. out there. Right. You know, you have, we had someone who was selling his artwork and I said, just get a, you know, a simple website where you can sell them. Like, let's see what the response is. You won't know unless you kind of get it out there. I think people wait till it's perfect sometimes. And I right. get, I'm guilty of that all the time. I'm like, sure. I, I have to nature. wait. Yeah. I have to yeah. wait till everything, all my T's are crossed. And I say, well, if you just give yourself a deadline and get it out there, then you can kind of see what the response is. And I think that that's a boost too for people or throughout this class, they keep talking about it. They get the feedback, then they get a little bit more confidence and then they might take that leap. Yeah. One of the, um, kind of, uh, gurus in the co-working industry that I follow is constantly talking about throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. And, you know, with a newer industry like co-working, we do have 
uh, that opportunity. And it's, it's a lot of fun to just to be able, I mean, there are certain things that do, you know, they need to be tried and true, right? right. But there are some like, you know, different kinds of programmings, um, even the way we set up our space and create offices and so forth can, it can just be kind of a, you know, let's throw this out there and see how the community receives this or see how customers receive it. And if not, you know, change it to move, change up a little dynamic of it. Or um, And that's a lot of fun. That's a, one of the exciting things about being an entrepreneur. So I'm with you. Don't wait until it's perfect. Start throwing it out there and getting some traction. Right. I mean, you can, you know, customize it or tweak it on the fly, mm-hmm. but you actually get you know, an MVP or something out there where people can actually give you feedback. If you okay. keep doing the research and finding out this, you're too late, right? I mean, that's the other theory, right? right? If you get it perfect, then you've already missed the wave, so um, so to speak. But uh, yeah, just getting it out there, trying to see what works, getting one customer, um, getting someone in the door, getting that feedback, and then you can right. tweak. And especially, like you said, co-working, what people need is change when you started right. to now. I mean, exactly. it just keeps evolving. Yeah. We were fortunate to be able to, um, I threw the idea out to the Glens Falls, you know, to the region, to the Warren County and Washington County region and um, started with a smaller space. So a lower level of investment for sure. And uh, we tested our MVP and we got a lot of feedback. You know, there were times when people would come in for a tour and, you know, I kind of felt like we were on the edge of asking a few too many questions, (laughs) you know. And so I would always make it clear, you know, I'm not trying to interrogate anybody. (laughs) I really want a sense of how you would use a space like this and how it would fit your needs best. And I, it felt incredibly valuable to be able to talk with people and get that feedback. So I agree. I agree. Just start and and go from there, and um, but just don't quit your day job yet. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, when we started doing dinners on our farm, we do farm to table catering, mm-hmm. and when COVID hit, a lot of our events um, were canceled and postponed and things like that. And so, I told my husband, I said, "Well, we're going to do dinners on our farm. We've been talking about it for a while." When um, our area opens outdoor dining, we are going to be ready to open outdoor dining. Yes. And he was like, well, that's in like two weeks. I said, that's fine. That's our dead deadline. You know, we're going to be ready. I mean, because that timeline too, I think people can just, you know, without a plan and a timeline, right? Nothing happens. But, um, right. I said, we're going to do it and we're just going to open our door. And it's been very successful. And we have a lot of people that come, um, but we could have talked about it for another couple months and then missed kind of that opportunity. Um, to get established and get the track right. You know, you can't figure out what doesn't work unless you try it. And right, so, right. you know, we were off to the races and, you know, scrambled for two weeks and then opened up. And there uh, it was. So yeah. talk a little bit about your business. I wanted to. Okay. Uh, yes. So um, I've been more. in this area for a long time, been involved in food and agriculture. Um, used to run our family's property up in Lake George, top of the world golf resort. And we had the farmhouse restaurant there. Um, currently we have a farm, uh, we used to do a couple farmers markets and um, a CSA, but we don't. Mostly now we do some value added products as well as catering and okay. events. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, my husband and I do uh, several weddings, private parties, rehearsal dinners, brunches, dinners. You know, you name it. Um, both on our property on the farm as well as off site uh, in the Lake George Saratoga region. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So is that year round? Do you go into people's homes? We do. Or? Yeah. I mean, we, it just depends. Um, it's mostly outdoor events, weddings and things like that, okay. or larger, you know, where they might need an outside caterer. Usually in the indoor or the winter time when you're using like larger banquet halls, we'll do some of those too, but our hotels, um, but we will go into people's homes and do events. And that's recovered with um, COVID, sure. uh, different events, smaller events, um, the outside events were more popular. I mean, we had to do some, uh, you know, last year that there was no dancing or there was dancing pods or you had to stay at your table and dance. Okay. Um, you know, the, the nuances that got a little bit hectic trying to, um, police, I guess you would say all the people with the mask infractions or you had to sit down mm. when you were drinking. I mean, um, so we've seen, those types of, you know, events be more like this past summer were okay, you know, as more people were vaccinated, the rates were down, um, more people, but we do a lot of outdoor type of um, open fire cooking, farm to table cooking. So they lend to be less formal settings. Yeah. So, um, which are great. And then we do some value added products, mostly soups and things that we sell uh, through some other farm uh, deliveries, home deliveries, okay, and other, okay. you know, some farm markets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Another um, kind of, uh, it's not an industry, but something else that has seen a huge uptick uh, since COVID, the home delivery totally sector like <laughs> and especially food and del- home delivery and yeah. you know some farm uh, farm families and friends and businesses are used to sell at farmers markets are now doing home delivery and they're adding not just produce but people want milk and yogurt and uh-huh. prepared meals and the way that that is growing as people you know we're tired of cooking at home for so right. many months right. you know during covid or running out of ideas and yeah. You know, we also raise some animals, and so we sell um, uh, pork, you know, from our pigs. And someone was saying, oh, well, you know, maybe last year we thought the price of pork from your farm was too expensive, right? I mean, we sell, you know, half and quarters of of our pigs to mostly friends and neighbors. But now they're like, but now with the prices of bacon <laughs> going right. up, you know, it's not a bad deal. I'm like, well, you know, it's just... Um, you know, so people, it's all relative, right? Right. I mean, you know, it just, but when they maybe didn't think about, you know, buying a quarter pig, but then they're, you know, worried about the shortages of meat and the price is going up and maybe they can have meat for six months and hedge that. Um, so more people are thinking about food and pricing. And I mean, we've seen this inflation and, um, you know, people can't even get things like chicken wings or whatever else is going on with, um, right. supply chain and pricing and uh, it's just been a little wacky but very much for food businesses yeah. and yep. you know you have to realize that the costs have gone up like if we're making soup the prices have gone up for our raw materials right. for our packaging can we even find things um, you know and I know you know there's just a whole bunch of of you know economic forces outside of our control but right. people have been thinking about home delivery food agriculture yeah. I say if you have a product, figure out how to get it to people's homes. Figure out how to get it delivered. I don't care if it's dog food or human right. food or, um, you know, shower products. Uh-huh. Figure out how to get it to their door and they'll buy it. And right. if you're not doing that, you've got to find a way to do that because there's there's a market there. Yeah, people are, you know, they want that convenience, and which is good 
you know, as being a caterer, um, you know, we did some of the to-go meals and things like that during COVID. People just wanted that Mm -hmm. um, convenience. They wanted to be able to get something delivered, ready to eat. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I knew what I must have unloaded, unloaded my dishwasher, you know, 7,000 times during COVID, you know, I was like, where, where's the double dishwasher or the commercial dishwasher in my house? I was tired of loading it, um, but everyone being home and just eating it. Right. Uh, but we did also find, you know, the connection people were missing, the connection, yes. which our dinners were very helpful. Such a great mm-hmm. community builder. Yeah. So we found people um, would come in the beginning, you know, and we'd open at five and they would stay all night because they just... Right. You know, it's picnic tables. It's just outside. Their family, their children could run around, or they could just mm-hmm. connect um, in a way that felt safe if, for them, especially right away. Mm-hmm. And then this summer just continued. It was just, you know, we try to keep our prices reasonable, our menu small, so that we can control our staffing issue, right. our staffing, and uh, make it manageable. But then people can come you know, every week if they want, right? Not a day out. So it just was a nice mix and people were kind of craving that connection. That um, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So we have great. music. We would have, you know, kids, there would be like 12v12 soccer game going on. <laughs> there would be, you know, they, it, would, it would be pretty, it would, they were pretty fun. So we'd do about 100 plus people a night. And, uh, you know, if we had ran out of tables, we'd say, bring your own blanket, uh, just kind of camp go. out. So, That's awesome. yes, people want the convenience. They want the connection. Yep. It's been a it's been a crazy couple of years for the food industry, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I want you to mention the name of your business is Farmhouse Food. Yes. And I'll mm-hmm. link to that in, in the car, show notes sure. in case anybody's interested yeah. and wants to check that out. Um, but I did know that... Um, you know, a lot of what you do is to make food more accessible. And I wondered, um, how can we go about doing that more? I mean, you, you bring food to people, you cater, you bring people together and you provide the food and in a more general sense, um, you know, on the daily with the, um, the American family, how can we make food more accessible? Yeah, good question. I mean, that's kind of been the last uh, several years of my, you know, life's work. Um, I work also on the board of the Pitney Meadows Community Farm in Saratoga. And so we're a nonprofit farm that works on food access. So we had a bunch of um, pop-up pantries to senior centers. Oh, nice. Yes, to um, community centers where we would bring produce and um, people can just access it for free. You know, we would donate about 10 to 20% of our produce, um, through certain community centers, the Northeastern New York food pantry, um, and other nonprofit organizations in our area. So being a non-for-profit, uh, farm, we're able to grow, um, for sale also, but we can offset some of those, um, and make food more affordable, accessible, healthy food, things that we would grow, sweet potatoes and carrots and lettuces and, and things that everybody eats all the time, they like them, um, and that we can grow in volume so that we can bring the price down. Um, also, with that farm, we work with the Saratoga School District, and we have had okay. some farm-to-school grants um, as far as you know, working with the school districts to introduce more local produce on the menus and working with the kitchen staff at the schools to be able to prepare and preserve, whether that includes freezing summer produce to be used later, canning, 
uh, tomato sauce, um, you know, peeling, squash, things like that, that we can get more produce into the schools. Um, at SUNY Adirondack at the farm, we work with the Warren County Farm to School program. Okay. And we've done things with uh, Bolton Landing Central Schools. They'll buy some produce, mainly nice. lettuce, for their salad bars. So I think um, there's a real need for the schools to be able to incorporate more um, vegetables, more produce in their menus. And I think, you know, part of the problem is that a lot of farms, you know, grow in the summer and schools are right. out of the summer. Right. And then with COVID happened, um, we were really kind of ramping up pre-COVID. Um, and we'd worked on some grants so that the school districts um, during the summer months, some of their staffing could preserve and start, you know, vacuum sealing and freezing a lot of the produce okay, coming. Yeah, and then that way they could use it. Um, and there is an initiative right now in New York State where if the schools commit to spending at least 30% of their budget on local or New York State um, products, whether it's meat or vegetables, then they can get more funding from the state. Okay, incentive. Yeah, so incentive. So I think that there's more, you know, grant money, there's more opportunities, and there's more awareness. So I think that that's, and it's so important for um, younger children to be able to eat healthy, to have access to all things. I remember when my children were younger and they did something with the farm to school education piece, and they said, well, can you name all these 10 vegetables and there were a lot of kids that couldn't name, right. you know, sure. what a beet was, what a, you know, I mean, I mean, I think adults would have a hard time naming sure, a daikon yeah. radish or something like yeah. that too, you know, <laughs> but just the fact that, um, you know, there's more to just maybe the cucumbers and tomatoes and lettuce that maybe you're used to on the, you know, but as they introduce um, more vegetables and more local products and, and it's not only vegetables, they have, um, you know, my, my kids school, they have hamburgers. With New York State beef, okay. obviously the dairy, they have apples mm-hmm. from New York State. So there's a way to bring more of that into school. And I think, um, you know, we've seen in New York State free and reduced lunch for everybody or free right, lunch right. for everybody during COVID. And mm-hmm. I think um, that many school districts might go that route oh, in the really? future, um, just as there's the lack of... Um, Lunch shaming if people, right, can't buy lunch um, or they might have a different product, right, just to make it more accessible for students. This could be their only meal that they have Mm -hmm. um, during the day, the breakfast and lunch program, you know, that they just might make it easier to just say everybody gets free lunch and continue that trend. So if that's the case, then there's more opportunities even for getting um, all kids in front of, you know, more and more vegetables and food. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, so farm to school is a big one. Um, some nonprofit farms. I know there's a lot of good resources in my class. Um, I teach a uh, experience ag class. We were just at the Open Door Mission last week. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, talking to them about consumers, right? We just don't think necessarily, like, who are the consumers in our community? You know, we know farmer's markets. We know farm to school. We know retail. But when we think about, um, you know, the community that they serve at Open Door Mission, they're, they're consumers. Um, how do they right. decide what types of food they're getting? Where does the food come from? What grocery stores? What farmers? how they can um, move food through to the community, the people that need it the most. And um, yeah, so I think that's, you know, we I try to do the whole food system for our students. And they said that they wanted to work with more farms and more agricultural producers to get more products and, and grow that part. So 
lots of ways to increase access to food, encourage people, you know, they're working on some teaching kitchens and, you know. That was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. Is the the education piece, um, whether through Pitney Meadows Farms or through your business, is there an education piece? Yes. So we do, um, you know, we've done a lot of stuff in the schools. Um, My husband does a lot of training also uh, for the... um, personnel, the school lunch personnel at Saratoga schools, uh, the Saratoga County School District, and which includes Corinth and uh, Schuylerville, and he'll do training and education. Okay. We've done things through um, SUNY Adirondack Continuing Education, Workforce Development, Mm -hmm. um, education to to make sure even basic things as knife skills, right? How do you um, cut up a huge delicata squash or how do you, you know, things like that. Roasting, um, cooking seasonally, a couple menu development, and, you know, we work um, a lot of our produce from the campus farm on SUNY Adirondack goes to Seasoned um, and the okay. culinary school program. So there's the education piece there. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of education at Pitney Meadows Community Farm. We have a mobile cart that is a kitchen cart that has like eight stations on it. And that can go to like the community centers and the farmer's market, Oh, nice! you know, and the education piece. Um so that's really important, getting people to eat healthy. But, you know, sometimes people say it's not even that. It's just um, maybe the materials. People don't have a steamer to steam vegetables right. or a pot right. uh, to cook rice in or um, the time factor. You know, right. I work, my husband works, we have three kids. Sometimes I come home and I'm like, ah, I don't care what you eat, right? Right. And so <laughs> I think, you know, part of our business is expanding. So I will get my my entrepreneurial hat back on, um, is how do we bring healthy, convenient food to people at a price that's affordable, you know? Because I'm like, you know, one time I remember him, my husband was traveling for work, and I was like, you know, teaching, night class, coming home, and I was like, frozen pizza is it, you know? And I'm like, here, you know, maybe I'll chop up some broccoli and put it on and feel better about myself. But, you know, I'm like, I can't even figure out with all this produce how to make something quick and easy that you'll eat. You know, there's a real disconnect here. Um, You do certainly have to be mindful about it. I mean, even myself, I don't have anybody to go home and cook for anymore Mm -hmm. now that my kids are all out the door college and but you know and I I spend a lot of time here at work but I mean there really is just no reason why I can't go home (laughs) and make a healthy dinner but I don't I you know I mean I try to keep it healthy it's but it's sometimes it's just a bowl of cereal with fruit on it you know but it's really um you know there's a lot of prep and time does have to go into it so if you can cut the time and and keep the health factor that's huge. Right. And it's almost like all demographics. I mean, even at Open Door, right? They're saying that the people that come and, and you know, utilize the food pantry, they're looking for convenience food, too. Right. Because, you know, when you're stressed about your, like, you know, your job and your commute and everything else, right? right. The last thing you want to do is say, let's take the recipe book out right. and make this, <laughs> you know, summer squash risotto. I mean, nobody is doing that even, you know. So I think that there's a real way to try to get people 
um, you know, convenient options, but how do you not spend $15 on a meal, right, right. for takeout? I don't right. know. There's where I can fit in that sweet spot. I would love to um, expand more in that. And you've seen even restaurants, you know, doing family meals to go during COVID right. and a lot of that uh, maybe special of every day week where you would get a salad and eggplant parmesan or whatever it would be a tray of. Mm-hmm. Um, as I think families are choosing, you know, something healthy or um, home cooked from a recipe from a restaurant, um, but not going to a break the bank or, right. um, but be convenient because people are pulled in a lot of different directions. But right. how do you you know incorporate healthy eating also so that's not lost? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to see what you do. <laughs> so with yes, that. I don't know exactly <laughs> how that works, but I've been very interested in that for a while. But yes, and uh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, going back to um, the the business aspect of it, I was curious about um, the startup ADK class and what kind of um, really creative, exciting um, business startup ideas have you seen come across to your desk. Yeah, well, you know, a couple years ago, we would see a lot of food and agricultural businesses, right, as Mm -hmm. that was in our area, and people were drawn to that. Now we see a lot um, of business ideas that are in the creative side or business services, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's marketing or design or website design, even consulting. Um, We've seen a trend into more service-based businesses. So business services are one. Things such as educational services, whether it's tutoring or, um, you know, business consulting type of thing. So helping people either um, expand or grow their business or education, right? So that um, real piece there. Um, We've seen a trend towards businesses that highlight the region that we live in. So outdoor businesses, you know, um, guiding businesses, hiking businesses, um, Groups that connect around getting outside, mm-hmm. whether it's um, trail locations or, like I said, guide, you know, um, backcountry guiding, night photography in our area, right? These real kind of sense of place businesses mm-hmm. as people are starting to come more to our area to live or to work or to just vacation and an opportunity that they're craving um you know, more expertise experiences, more unique situations, um, maybe some of that skilled type of level. So we've seen some people grow in that um, area, which is really cool to see. And, yeah, it you is. know, uh, highlighting our region and what we love about it as it is, um, but those types of things, which is great. Yeah, on that note, what do you think um, is attractive to our, is attractive to entrepreneurs for our region? What do you see? I mean, I, you know, yeah. I've got my own head sure. of all these ideas. and <laughs> But it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on that. What's What do we have going on here that's really attractive to entrepreneurs? And um, why should we tell them they should come and start a business here? <laughs> well, I mean, I think we have an engaged community, which is true. We do. I mean, we have so many mm. resources. Uh, we have so many groups that are trying to support entrepreneurs, trying to create jobs, trying to get people started. So we really have a lot of help for people that are looking to come up to our area. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have low costs to starting a business, right? I mean, compared to other parts of the state, right? Uh, people can take a risk, whether it's, uh, you know, in a retail operation or a uh, food business, right? People can take more of a risk because we do have low costs, right? And so mm-hmm. it's not as expensive as other areas. 
We also have people choosing quality of life over work more right. and more. The great rese- or great resignation, right, is happening right now. Right. People are saying, "Hey, what is a, what's about my identity that's not all work, right? What other parts of it can I explore?" And so I think in this region, we have a vibrant communities, we have an engaged workforce, we have an engaged community, but we also have all these outdoor recreational resources, mountains and lakes and, Mm -hmm. and all these kinds of opportunities. So people are saying, Hey, maybe there is something more to work or life or just the commute and the, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Maybe I'm going to try something new and explore um, another passion of mine. And if it works as a business, maybe I can make it work or at least I can work and have a better quality of life on the weekends or after work. And so I think people are thinking more about what they want to do uh, for the rest, right. for ROL. We used to joke in my family, like, you'd be like, oh, you're in the job, ROL, rest of life. And it was, like, so scary <laughs> to be. Like, you'd be like, ROL, you're going to be there. And you're like, no, I can't, you know. ROL is, like, you know, the, w- the worst thing you can say to somebody is that you're just going to be at this 9 to 5 for another 40 years. And I don't think that that's what people want anymore. And so right. in our area, we have a lot of opportunities. You know, you see okay. people coming in with hospitality, mm-hmm. um, is so big in our area we see lots of you know unique um you know i keep reading about those ice castles in lake george right this right. opportunity to get right. people excited about a winter f- carnival type theme or experience right. Right. um but there are a lot of opportunities for people and i think we'll, we'll see more and more people becoming um more engaged in other side side businesses or passions for them and say hey can i make this work and maybe decide to take a pause, not, you know, drop out of the workforce, but maybe take a pause in their uh, original career and explore something new while they can. Yeah. I think because this area is um, not so heavily populated for a lot of different um, industries, there's a low barrier to entry too. Mm -hmm. I mean, this can be fertile ground for certain businesses just to kind of, to get in and get going and bring something new to this region that's not doesn't already exist here or you know exists in really small form right and you can you know get things going ramping up you know right. in a safe space almost right, right, right. Um, before you you tackle a bigger market for sure right um, and I think yeah people are attracted to that mm-hmm. and I think that the communities here and this area you know are welcoming to people who are moving here and you know we've seen, you know, I think what's going to happen too, where I tell also the students in Startup ADK, I said, you don't have to start your own business to be an entrepreneur. You can buy a business. Right. And I think as we see um, maybe the boomer generation aging out or wanting to sell their business, there's going to be a lot of opportunities too right. for somebody younger to come and buy a business um, or and buy a customer base and buy something that's already, yes. you know, happening and then become an entrepreneur that way. They don't have to reinvent the wheel, but they're buying an established yep. business. They want to choose that quality of life or a different pace. And yep. we've seen that um, always happen up here, but maybe even yeah. more so. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely, yeah, seeing that happen. We um, support some members who have taken over, have bought businesses mm-hmm. and the client base in the Glens Falls region, and their headquarters is not here. It's in, you know, down closer to Albany, but um, they're reaching up into the Glens Falls region and taking over these businesses. And I do see where a lot of the established businesses um, 
they're, you know, they're ready to kind of move on and looking for somebody to, to step in. And it's just so exciting when you think about somebody coming in and how will they um, change it up? You know, what sure. are they going to add? What are they going to change? What, you know, what new exciting idea or concept are they going to bring to the table? Right. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of businesses, the, if it's a family business, not all the children want to take it over right. and they're trying right. to figure out how, what their exit strategy is. Uh, another startup ADK graduate was Marge Randalls from Argyle Cheese Farmer, oh, right. you know, and she was trying to uh, find a good strategy for her business. Her children didn't want to take it over. She was didn't want to do that forever, you know. Um, and had a great has a great partnership now with Ideal Dairy. They have several family members that are taking over in Ideal the next generation in Ideal Dairy. They have a great partnership now with Argyle Cheese Farmer. They can add a value added product. Um, it's just a really nice partnership. But it took a while to make that work or to get the connection. Right. And I know Marjorie was working on it for a while because, you know, people put a lot of effort and time into their brand and their businesses. Right. They don't want to just close. So I think that there will be some more creative opportunities uh, for younger people who want to change things as they buy maybe some of these existing businesses or right. get involved for sure. And another thing you pointed out there too is is the opportunity for collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um you know, as an entrepreneur, when we start out and it's just us and we're wearing all the hats and um, it, it becomes very challenging when we have all these ideas and, it, you know, we're, we're just not able to deliver because we don't have the bandwidth. Right. But it's so exciting when someone comes along and you're able to collaborate on different projects and grow, you know, aspects of your business and aspects of their business. And, uh, I just love seeing that happen. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, you know, back to the put the shingle out. No one's going to come knocking on your door for an opportunity if they don't know you're doing anything. Right. 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 And so the more you get out there or you tell people, and I used to always be the same way. I used to be like, I can't say what I'm doing until it's, you know, 100% correct about (laughs) or ready or whatever. But the more you just like put it out there, then the more people might say, oh, I remember someone's doing that, or I have a good opportunity to collaborate with you, right? And so they say, oh, I'm looking for this type of thing. And I think that that's where you you see it happening when you just kind of are in the game already, and then there's more opportunity for collaboration. But people think they right. have to have it all figured out. But you just yeah yeah no, I think <laughs> I don't care really who you are, what you're doing. You're gonna put a shingle out, <laughs> and the next day somebody's gonna come and ask you a question, and you're gonna say, I haven't thought of that. Yes, <laughs> because we're human, and mm-hmm. we can't we can't think of any of you know of every single thing. So. Um, and again, that's part of the joy. That's part of the happiness and the excitement is is to have somebody come and ask you those questions and say, let me think about that. How can I do that? How can I deliver? Without, you know, spreading yourself too thin. Because there is that, you know, there is that um, practice that you need to go through to figure out who your ideal customer is and how you're going to serve them. And, you know, that's part of the business plan that you talked about. Mm -hmm. And that's why that is so vital so that when somebody does come along and have that question, maybe it's a question, you know, an an opportunity you can explore, but maybe that is just not a, a problem you can solve with your business. And so you have to have that business plan so that you can refer back to it and say, you know what, that it doesn't align. 
Sure. I mean, totally, right? You can't serve everybody. So you have to be very specific on who your target customer is, like you mentioned. So you don't want to get spread too thin because there there will be all these opportunities, right? And so sometimes collaboration can mean more work for you and less benefit, right? And you have to think about that. What is a true collaboration or, um, you know, maybe getting pulled, like you said, in too many different directions for sure. But thinking about... Um, maybe things that you didn't think about for your business. And maybe that's a direction that when you started, you weren't really attracting that type of customer, but that's where your growth section is. And that's mm-hmm. where, you know, and so what works or how you can uh, scale up in that way to, you know, collaborate or work with or think about, um, you know, like a business plan, it's a roadmap, but you might take a right turn and still right. get to the ending. Right. Um, right. But just being, you know, aware of where you're going and what you might want to do with it. But I do right. think that the collaborations, um, and we saw several in our last class. We had some people that uh, do video designing and um, a graphic design company was looking for somebody. And there was like an obvious collaboration right. to refer work to, um, sure. which was really great. And some other people did some outdoor um activities and there was some great logo you know questions about logo and design and partnerships and working together so there was really um some nice collaboration there and just but just you know that's where things happen when you pin ideas off or you think about things and in new ways or how you can work with other people or other businesses in the area for sure but back to what you had said initially that i say all the time is if nobody knows that you're there and nobody knows what you're doing then you know you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities so get out get into network groups get you know come and you know set up your workspace here so that you can meet this community and and uh you know jump into the class or um you know seek opportunities to get into different networks and let people know what you're doing and uh yeah, back I mean, for the ride. right. I mean, especially like a place like here where you have so many people that you wouldn't be exposed to. I mean, that's right. the, you know, I think all this, um, when I teach, um, my college classes, my, um, for credit classes and I say, you know, I'm kind of, I feel good that I went to college when I didn't have a cell phone because now all you know each other, um, you know, where everybody is all the time, right? right? And I said, when we made plans, like we made them, we were never late or we did not show and just text someone we're not going to be there because, right. you know, you said, I'm going to meet you at the pizza place on Friday at eight. You went because you didn't, you couldn't get a hold of someone and say you weren't coming. And I said, you know, now with, you know, over technology, right, our chance of meeting people we don't know is so, so much limited, so right. much more limited, right? Right. And so I say to the college, I'm like, you won't even, you know, if your friend doesn't show up for class, you're not even going to sit next to somebody else because you already know from a text message or from an instant message, you know, from some kind of social media. And I said, part of what was nice about um, being a college student before social media and phones is that you could just go out and see who was out or you would go in here and then meet new people. And I think, um, that you miss that exposure to different ideas when you're only, um, surrounded by, you know, the same people, you know, or your friends. So someplace like here has a nice community where you can meet people that you might not always know or, we're coming to the class because that's where you can tell more people about you. If you only, you know, networked in real estate agents or something like that, that's good too because that might be referrals, but maybe thinking about collaboration or partnerships right. or new ideas right. that comes from kind of that cross section of people where you, you know, you're not sure who you're going to bounce ideas off of. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. 
Lots of fun. So I really feel like we could talk for a long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we'll give our listeners a break. But I did want to ask um, just one question I had on the way out. And sure. you did speak a little bit about this. But what creative opportunities post-COVID do you see for the ag industry? Yeah, good um, good question. I mean, I've always been talking about pushing agriculture into more um, medium-sized family farms, right? We have a lot of good opportunities. Maybe okay. they're not um, these small... Um, maybe they're not these small micro farms that sell at farmer's market, but farms that can maybe scale up a little bit and then also use technology, right? Yes. Um, you know, whether, right, we've seen the labor market be very volatile. The prices mm-hmm. are going up. There are a lot of open positions in agriculture. It's not a very glamorous job. So people are converting to more technology, whether it's specialized harvesters or packing lines, or washing areas, or greenhouse growing, right? And so as we scale up, I think we'll see, I would like to see more medium-sized farms that can maybe adopt um, some of this technology, bring the cost down, and be able to produce at a scale that a farmer's market farmer cannot, and so that we can start um, selling to more institutions like hospitals or okay. schools or the nice. community center, right? So we need we need volume and we right. need technology uh, for people to scale up. And there are um, some opportunities for that. So we're not talking about these massive, enormous farms right. um, in the Midwest, but you know some of that, um, you know, fifty to one hundred acre large family farms. But being able to again utilize some of the technology that's available and and specialize maybe and scale up into that. Um, other opportunities I see, I just see more, um, awareness from the consumer about where their food comes from, Yes, you know, um, more opportunities for creating a brand, you know, more people eating more plant-based diets, which is always helpful for people who grow vegetables. Uh, you know, maybe not for our beef farmers, but, um, (laughs) but you know, they're, they're, they're being more selective about their beef, which is good because then Mm -hmm. if they're eating beef, um, only a few days a week, maybe they're going to buy from a local farm rather than the grocery store. So I do think that it's not necessarily um, a loss for them, but maybe people sure. are being more conscious about what beef yeah. they are eating and when they are eating it. And, you know, I, th- you know, we see all of this ugly produce movement coming through, right? Misshapen yes. produce. Yeah. Um, so a value added, making something, you know, um, um, and then more of that convenience food. I think people want... You know, as you see people getting um, already cut and diced butternut squash or already cooked thing, right? I mean, where does that work um, with farmers trying to do that home delivery, more convenience? Um, so a lot of good opportunities. Lots it's just, you know, and yeah. yeah, online ordering That's is a big awesome. one. Um, people want. So I think that there's a lot of movement in that space, in the food and ag um, space, and we'll see more technology um, more products coming through, more local food. I think that's all been helped um, by the convenience of the pandemic. I mean, you didn't, my parents, I don't think ever ordered groceries online until the pandemic, right, you know, and right. now people are uh, <laughs> finding different ways to do that. So um, hopefully we can see them expand even further. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks I for having me. It. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions about the podcast or you know someone who is making a difference in our region, please take a minute to connect with us at justoffglen at gmail.com. And we'll meet you here next time, Just Off Glen. 
Thanks for listening. This podcast was recorded at Work Smart Coworking and Meeting Space in downtown Glens Falls and produced by Black Mountain Visuals. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Join us again next time. We'll meet just off Glen.